Hey guys, welcome back to another Weird Wednesday. I'm Ashers and this is Pet O. And also Jeff Craig. Oh my gosh, you guys, we have had so many get more guests than we have ever had on the entirety of the whole show in this one month, right? <laughs> Am I right, Pat? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a pretty full roster, but you know what? Uh, the fans are loving it, and I enjoy the variety. And every know? single one of them have been from the Midwest. Right. Our show gets a little poly sometimes. It's nice to invite strangers into the bedroom and, and <laughs> talk to them. <laughs> well, you know? thanks for being here, Jeff. I'm super I'm super excited to talk to you. I'm super oh, excited to me too have people listen. Oh yeah, people. I I tell everybody about about your map, and we'll we'll get into that um but uh pat how was your how was your weekend uh it was pretty good um friday i took my kid to his first bulls game uh my son's godfather is friend of the show lee jacobson of jacobsonlegalservices.com and we had him he, on the show yeah a previous guest from the midwest uh he kind of up with bulls tickets as a hanukkah present this year um so my son is like starting to play basketball and obviously i have no idea how to connect with him on this because i've never played sports in my whole entire life (laughs) and he's like kind of halfway decent at it too so this is really good because this is like where lee takes over being the professional you know ex-professional athlete he can kind of come in and be like oh you know this is how you bond with your kid over sports you take them to sporting events and shit so that was uh that was friday and then honestly my wedding anniversary was the ninth so I kind of get to skate through Valentine's Day, but it also sometimes turns into just like a five day slog of like romantic Sex. fucking shit. So like through the ninth through the 14th was like sporadic date night every other night or whatever, which wasn't the worst thing in the world. It sounds like I'm being negative about it. I'm totally not. But uh, that was like a whole theme but, this week. But did you get laid? Uh <laughs> I had to fight for it, but I won. Don't say that. And I mean, sometimes you got to take it, you know what I mean? Like, you're, so, you're supposed to be like, no, of course. And it was the best ever. She's the best ever. I mean, I, I had a fucking hell of a time, but, oh, you know. Okay. She <laughs> you don't know right. if she did? No, right? she survived it, you know. <laughs> no, it was all right. All right. I'll stop asking about your personal <laughs> life now. Um, <laughs> You know. We had a very interesting uh, weekend, and I'm sure I'm sure Jeff can relate here because it was Super Bowl weekend. Yeah, yeah. Oh and, yeah! Congratulations! Uh, oh no, you guys lost. No, Sorry. well, yeah. <laughs> that, that's how much of a jack I am. It took me a minute to realize, like, no, you guys are in fucking Ohio. I, don't, I am still hungover emotionally from oh, this uh, Super Bowl fiasco. What, you know, I told my daughter, I don't, I, I'm, I don't want to be an Ohioan anymore. I feel very, and I don't even, I don't watch football. I don't, I don't even know how the game is fucking played. I didn't even understand it. So. <laughs> It still felt bad at the I mean, end. I've never really been a fan of the Bengals, um, but um, they're doing so well. It's just great for the city. And and Pat, um, you know, I grew up in Chicago, so I had the 85 Bears when I was in high school that won the Super Bowl. I mean, that was a team. That was crazy. Right. That always seemed like people always talk about the 85 Bears. It's like that's one year. I, I grew up in the era of it's the one year. which was a fucking dynasty. You know what I mean? We're three like, peats, it, it, yeah. It, mm-hmm. It's yeah, to repeat the three peats. So it's one thing. Two to three win, peats, yeah. Yeah, win one championship one year, okay, good for you, and then someone else does. But I think about the Bulls, I think about the Hawks, who had like dynasties that like went on and like won multiple championships year after year after year. Um, that to me is more impressive. I mean, but also, you know, to you Bengals fans, all I could say is like I once again being from Chicago, I've gone through the Cubs thing. 
and we yeah. eventually had our time. And man, what a great night that was. And you guys it didn't was. get that night on Sunday, but you know what? You're going to get that night at some point in your lives and mm-hmm. you're going to make the most of it. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Probably well, I, not. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I grew up a Cubs fan, uh, you know, being in the suburbs uh, in the 70s and 80s. So uh, I waited a long time for the Cubs as well. And uh, I've learned the phrase, there's always next year. Right. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Well, anyway. So, I mean, it was, you know, Super Bowl Sunday. Jeff, did you have a, how, how was your weekend? What did you do? I, I was prepping for the game and Sunday came and I had my snacks and uh, drinks out and uh, just watched the game. I paced around the house. <laughs> and so I'm still eating the leftovers. I'm having shrimp cocktail. and Oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> <Hell> yeah. <laughs> uh, hopefully it's still good. Um, yeah. You'll have to let us know tomorrow. Um, <laughs> this might be the last time anybody hears from Jeff. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's it's interesting when, you know, it's it's your because even though, again, like I said, I don't understand how football works. I'm not a, I'm not a sports ball person either. Um, and, and probably <laughs> a lot of the people listening to the show probably aren't either. Right. Um, right. But well. when it's happening in your own backyard, you know, it's there's something magical about it. And um, oh, yeah. You know? I'm not a big baseball fan, but, you know, that last series where the Cubs won the championship, like I was out at, at the bar for every one of those games. I know a good mm-hmm. I know when there's a good party afoot, you know right. what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit what it's associated with. I'm fucking there, man. Yeah. So and mm-hmm. that's I'm sure it was the same thing with you guys with the Super Bowl, like. You know, Fairweather fan or not, who cares? It's yeah. Everyone came out. It was everyone. Right. I went to Kroger Sunday morning, the local grocery store, and uh, everyone was in Bengals gear. It was just they were buying. They were out of cream cheese. There was just uh, just all kinds of shenanigans going on. Some uh, some schools were closed on Monday. Wow. Yeah, I was like, well, that's surprising. I mean, I just think it's interesting because um, Jeff, Jeff is also in in Ohio. Um, I, I'm in Dayton, and I don't know, Jeff, if you want to disclose where you're at or not, but, uh, you know. Yeah, I'm in Cincinnati. Right, mm-hmm. so so we're, we're fairly close to each other, probably about, eh, probably about 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so, and you know, I know Jeff gets this. Uh, everybody has pride for, like, their general demographics, right? All, all of us here as Midwesterners, we have Midwestern pride. But I say nothing mm-hmm. is, I, I feel like nothing exhibits more camaraderie than Ohioans, which is weird because we're assholes to each other. But <laughs> when it's us against somebody else, we're like, fuck you, you know, oh, you know, that's how we are. And so it, it was very fun to kind of see that energy, you know, play out with with the Super Bowl thing. And I just wish that it could be like that all the time. But, we you know, it's got, it's got to be a different dynamic growing up in a, in a state like Ohio, because you guys have so many. I mean, you don't have a Chicago, but you have. A lot of if Chicago is like an A tier city, which I, I insist that it is, then you guys have a, a decent number of like B and C tier cities. Oh, yeah. right. Oh, to yeah. where there's and, and in Illinois, there's not there's fucking Chicago. Yeah, there's Naperville, true. which is like our best suburb, you know, Shout and, out to Naperville. That's my right. hometown. Naperville. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then, but other than that, like, what is there really in Illinois? Like fucking Springfield, like down by the farmers, like whatever. Oh. Like We don't know. We don't. Yeah. Yeah, you were Whereas, you were right. Mm-hmm. With Ohio, I could see like Cincinnati be- people being like "fuck Cleveland people" and Cleveland people being like "oh those Ohio fucking or those Toledo weirdos." You know what I mean? Where there's yeah. like some kind of like schism between y'all. 
you know. There is. There's a huge Cleveland-Cincinnati rivalry. And, you know, you're talking to a geography major here, so I totally get what you're saying. Chicago is a, what they call a primate city. It's the only big city in the state. But Cincinnati has Cleveland, Columbus, Cincinnati, Dayton, Toledo, Akron. It's really interesting that we have so many big cities. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. um, it's it spread out, and um, it, it does make a difference. Yeah, I don't care who, you know, some people are like, well, I was just a flyover state. Well, it absolutely is not. Um, and, uh, well, interestingly enough, we'll, we'll kind of get in more into that um, as, as the episode progresses. But, you know, that was really it. I mean, the, you know, the Super Bowl was a big thing here. I didn't really do uh, much else, but that's okay. Um, you know, I am going to start doing this thing, and I know that people probably are not going to like it. But sometimes we like to talk about the other things that we do in our careers, and um, I'm going to do a little bit of uh, housekeeping and advertising. So if, if you don't mind, um, first of all, if you listen to the show and, and, and you like the show, whether it's your first time here or you are a repeat offender, um, whatever it is you're listening on, if you can rate the show, rate it. Give it a rating. Leave it a review. Let us know that you like it. Um, it actually helps a lot more than you guys think it does. If you're on YouTube, give it a like, give it a share, subscribe to the channel. If you're on Apple, give it a review. Or maybe you think the show sucks. Say that. Hey, the show sucks. I don't like it. I don't know. Just talk about it. Um, the more you talk about it, good or bad, uh, the more it feeds into the algorithm. So that would be really nice if you could help out there. Um, I also did a number of shows recently, and I didn't talk about this last week, and I should have. Um, I just debuted my new show with Ryan Tremblay called Monster Radio. You guys should probably listen to that if you like this show. It's um, I'm not gonna say uh, I'm not gonna say the tagline Pat came up for it, but it's a little more adult, is what I'm gonna say. Um, you know, and it's definitely geared more towards specifically cryptids, uh, but we did do the first episode on the Wendigo and kind of the connection between the Wendigo and cryptozoology, um, because, spoiler alert, it's not really a cryptid. Uh, but uh, there will be lots of that over there, so go check out Monster Radio. I hold also, on, hold on. What's my tagline that I came up with? I don't remember at all. It's for people that don't fuck. <laughs> <laughs> i am fucking funny yeah, i am so fucking funny and i don't remember any of it i'm so glad that i have people around me to document things yeah because if you Please don't get- yeah i mean if, if you're not aware the tagline for this show is it's like coast to coast am for people that fuck and so monster radio is for people that don't fuck so <laughs> it's on wednesdays we talk weird but for people that don't fuck so right. it's uh you know because it's a little more adult so <laughs> you know but that's, uh, yeah it's, i actually might run with that i don't know we'll see um ryan what do you think let me know um anyway <laughs> so that is monster radio um i also just finished up recording a four-part series um on another show called the infinite rabbit hole um really awesome the, the whole entire four-part up ep- you know four-part series is about injured cold and let me tell you something these fucking guys did their homework you know first of all i'm on there and it's it's three other guys and you got uh, you got jeremy who is kind of a lot like us he kind of you know he has a, a pretty good deal of skepticism but he wants to believe in these things um and then you have jake who is a devout christian man and then you have jeff who not this Jeff, a different Jeff, who thinks that space isn't real. So, um, you know, he's he's gone that that far, 
you know, towards the the end there of the abyss. Um, but they all make it work, even though they all have such wildly different views. They make it work. They don't argue. They just present their side of it and, and move on. Um, however, these people fucking did their homework on Injured Cold, and I'm I'm embarrassed to say that I think their four part series is way better than our one episode on the guy. So go check that out. Um, I also did. I was back over on on uh, the Bloody Bits Horror Show podcast. Um, I did two episodes over there. One was the Valentine's Day special for Necromantic. If you are a fan of that movie or like necrophilia at all, who doesn't? Um, go check that out. And uh, also Paranormal Activity, which is not my favorite, but I was there for it. So that. Um, and then more. Here's more. I got more. Uh, two events coming up. Uh, that is March 12th. I will be in Erie, Pennsylvania um, at an event hosted by Erie Eric and Creepy Carrie. If you guys don't know who they are, um, they're both on Instagram. You should definitely follow them. Um, but I will be the master of ceremonies for an event there that you don't want to miss out. I'll actually be live interviewing people that have had um, encounters with high strangeness. So that'll be neat. We will also have a private area set up. So if you have your own encounter, but you aren't comfortable sharing that publicly you can come speak with me privately about it um and that's just between you and i um i guess kind of like uh what is it when you're in uh when, when you're a catholic uh, confessionals or whatever confessions with the priest it's like that but you know you saw aliens or whatever um and then also uh we'll have a booth at the uh Wytheville ufo festival in Wytheville, virginia i think that's june 11th so stay posted for that that's all i have to show this week <laughs> did i do a good job <laughs> you made me want to listen to everything you're on good wonderful awesome <laughs> so i got some news i don't have some news i got you know, i got the news i got one news today to share um which was really cool so apparently uh some people studying chimpanzees in west africa following around a specific uh little area you know little group of chimpanzees found that the chimps are chewing up bugs and using the using the chewed up bug as medication, but not only are they using it as medication, they're actually using it on each other, and so they are treating ailments. Now, there's not a lot of information of what bugs they're using exactly, um, but it was observed twice in the same week. One was a mother chimp with her baby who seemed to have a hurt foot of some sort that caught a some flying bug, chewed it up, and and rubbed that paste, I guess, on his foot. Um, and then another one was actually one particularly hurt chimpanzee with three others around that helped apply this chewed up bug paste to the, the hurt one. So that is really cool, but it's also really scary. Does anybody have thoughts on this? What do they, th what do they think the paste does? It's some type of medicine to treat whatever ailments they have they're using it as medicine they don't know what it does this is kind of like a really this is like breaking news situation mm -hmm. um you know they haven't been able to observe exactly what it is they're using and what it might possibly do um but they're just observing that they're using medications and animals don't can you think of any other animal that that uses medicine because there aren't any this has never been observed before wow yeah that's a first for me i know like isn't it dog's life is supposed to kind of help with certain ailments maybe i don't know and i think like different animals do have different abilities like that like you said dog saliva cats even um you know they also have a disinfectant 
type, but that's kind of, that's not the same thing as using an outside source. Right. That's just kind of like licking yourself. Right. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and they're, and they're being like, like positive effects to it. You know, it's like, right. Oh, they probably would have licked themselves anyway. Uh, but yeah, this is u- utilizing tools basically, you know what I mean? It yeah. is. It is. It is. And so it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Like I said, it's, it's very cool, but also kind of very scary. Well, you would, you would think that we should be seeing, I mean, so we've been studying these animals for probably like, like documenting studying, like, you know, really in like a modern way, probably for like, let's say two, 300 years. Right. You think that over the past couple hundred years and all of their exposure to mankind, there should be some kind of evolution amongst these creatures i mean like it humans definitely have i mean we're using you know bigger tools and we're building you know bigger fucking uh you know knives and shit like you know our, our stuff right. is all upgrading why shouldn't the animals be upgrading as well like if evolution is something we seriously subscribe to we should see it throughout all of these species not just us you know we've obviously evolved the farthest but that doesn't mean that we can't see traces of it in primates especially higher level ones you know or dolphins or whatever I mean, I think that there have been other examples, kind of. I mean, you know, I, I like to talk about Coco a lot. I'd love to do an episode just on Coco, um, the gorilla. That's that, the sign language one? Yeah, learn sign language. I fucking yeah. love that story so much. Um, you know, maybe we will one day just because it's fun. Um, but, you know, Coco was very different because, you know, even though they had chimpanzees or, you know, even some primates that were learning things because of muscle memory or like reward and consequences type, just the same, I mean, the same shit you can use to train a dog with, right? Um, Coco was not that. Coco was showing signs of, of sentience. I mean, she was, she was relaying her own emotions and, and things constantly. And so it's not like we haven't seen intelligence beyond just, hey, I'm an animal before. Um, but but this is different. They've obviously adapted. This is likely new since it's not something we've observed before um, that they have been able to learn how to do. Um, so that'll be really fun to watch. I mean, you have people that dedicate their entire fucking lives to go live with, with monkeys in the wild. And so right. we would have seen this before and we did not. Um, mm. So interesting. But yeah, I thought that was a really cool story. And we are starting to... Uh, see insects as a protein source like at the local supermarket jungle gyms which is like yeah. a local international market they have dried crickets in the bag that you can buy to eat yeah yeah they do and, and you're right people have kind of talked about that before because it's actually a very good protein source compared to regular it's, meats there's a lot of it available a lo- there's a lot available it's it's cheaper it is more environmentally friendly. You know, people have, mm-hmm. have posed the I, idea of switching. I'm not eating fucking crickets. Just stop. <laughs> have you ever had one? No, I don't feel the need to eat that weird shit. Like, like yeah. candy. Dipped in chocolate? Bugs? No. <laughs> I've never no. eaten one. I don't know. I don't. I haven't, I haven't either. I, don't think I, I put can. all kinds of shit in my mouth, but I draw the line with that. You can get, like, I the just... suckers and stuff with, like, little scorpions and shit. And it's all yeah. kinds of shit you can get at Jungle junk. Jim's is crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's great. <laughs> it's pretty wild. Well, that was uh Jeff might remember. I think it was back in 2020. Remember when they found the shark head on the shore of the Ohio River or the the Miami River? No. You didn't I see did that? Not. Yeah, they found a whole entire um nurse shark head on the sh- on, you know, right off of the mm-hmm. Miami River in Ohio. Oh, wow. And everybody was like, 
well, okay, so there's a shark, a whole shark head. Where did the rest of it go? And mm-hmm. how did it get in the river? Why was it there? Yeah. So it ended up coming out that a lady apparently had purchased the shark head from Jungle Gems and left it there. Well, she actually dumped mm-hmm. it in the river and just thought, well, mm-hmm. you know, that's what you do with it. And uh, she actually, she got in trouble. She got in trouble. It washed ashore. It washed ashore, yeah. And that's she, amazing. They were able to track it down. That is, well, she came forward and was like, eh, that's my shark head. <laughs> so i'm surprised you don't remember that no it was a fun it was weird it was a strange story <laughs> but that was that was cool anyway um so that was really all i had in the news this week um you know we'll uh we'll pick pick that back up again next week or in a future episode i'm really going to be watching this chimp stuff i'm really fascinated by it so i hope that there's there's more to come i hope we can find out what bugs they are and, and if there is any Maybe we can test and see if there's any truth to the medicinal purposes of them. So, because mm-hmm. there probably is. But anyway, so Jeff, um, what, who, who are you? What do you do? Who am I? I, I do you know? I'm just who a guy. Okay. <laughs> I'm just a guy. Uh, I, uh, you know, I like maps. I grew up enjoying uh, a map, a good road atlas in the '70s. You. you go to a gas station and you get the free map of the state and you unfold it. And on family vacations, we're driving around Illinois, uh, you know, radiating out in every direction from the Chicago suburbs. We're going up to the Wisconsin Dells or we're going down to the Lake of the Ozarks or driving to Florida or whatever. I'm following along with the maps. So that's just, that was just kind of how I grew up just enjoying maps. And um, so I'm a map guy. Um, I do maps for a living with the local utility company. And um, so, you know, that's just my interest. That's my, it's also a hobby and I've been able to make it, uh, you know, my, uh, my profession as well. Okay. So you, it was maps that, that did it for you. It wasn't high strangeness that, that created. I was into that too. All right. Um, It it was like kind of, kind of a melding of, you know, two interests. Okay. Uh, You know, growing up in the seventies, I I was born in 68. So when I was what, what, nine years old, uh, 1977, Close Encounters of the Third Kind comes out and uh, go to see that in the theater. And that, that just blows you away. The special effects, Steven Spielberg. And I've got a story for that. Maybe I'll share later about some things that affected Spielberg that um, ended up um, on, in Close Encounters. Sure. Some real life stories in Ohio. But um, yeah, you know, well, I mean, what kid isn't in- interested in that? Uh, you know, there's uh, just, it's prevalent in our, you know, our culture and our TV growing up uh, 1970s. You have In Search Of. I know everyone always mentions that show. Yeah. Um, and of course I watched that, uh, Leonard Nimoy and, and, you know, he hit the highlights. He hit Loch Ness Monster and, you know, I think the Nazca lines, all the weird, mysterious stuff. Sure. And then, um, you know, I'm getting books when I'm in, you know, in, in junior high school, uh, like mysteries of the unexplained, the reader's digest condensed version of, of all these different weird and unexplained mysteries, some of them are paranormal. Some of them are cryptid. Some of them are D.B. Cooper. Some of them are, you know, it rained frogs in some sure. weird place. So, yeah, just that's just that stuff really always just heightened my interest. Okay. So then you, when, when did you decide to start putting this stuff on a map of your own? I 
had a moment, and you'll love this uh, because I know you're a Mothman. Oh yeah, person. I I watched the movie. My one of my best friends, Brian. Shout out to Brian in Indianapolis. Uh, we went to the video store. Remember those? Oh yeah, I remember those. Two thousand. I used to work at one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. nice. <laughs> Uh, you know, we we grabbed Mothman Prophecies. I didn't see it in the theaters. I saw it uh, on, it was probably DVD, 2004. And, um, you know, at this point, I'm in Cincinnati. I, I came to Ohio from Illinois to go to college, and I, I ended up staying. So I've been in Ohio now longer than I, you know, was in Illinois. But sure. um, so I'm in Cincinnati watching the Mothman Prophecies in 2004. And this is, I'd never heard of it. And um, so I'm like, this is supposed to be loosely based on a true story. So I look it up and I see that it's right down the river from Cincinnati, you know, right. a couple hours. And I'm like, what the heck? Why have I never heard of this? Uh, obviously, it took place a long time ago before I was born. But um, still, it um, it really just piqued my interest. So um, we had to go to Point Pleasant. I mean, that right? That's just it pulls you in. Sure. So. I think it was probably a week or two later, we made a road trip. I, I had two, my, my kids were very little at the time, <laughs> like single digits, uh, packed them in the car and we all drove to Point Pleasant and uh, we were driving around and, and it was dark by the time we got there. We saw the Mothman statue, the eyes are glowing in the dark. And, um, you know, from the reflection of like, you know, the flash photography or whatever we were doing. Sure. Um, so uh, that just, it was just, that just, was amazing to me like this this happened and um you know i was already kind of, you know i was doing mapping for a living exploring street maps nothing really of interest but i had done another map before i got into this and it was a map where i pinpointed things that deal with um like uh, scottish american culture because i played drums in a bagpipe band so i made a map of the us and i pinpointed all the pipe bands in the U.S. and Canada, believe it or not, there are 650 pipe bands in America. Wow. And like the different Highland Games and Celtic festivals and stuff like that. So that was my first foray into like a special interest map. Okay. So that was that came out in like 2001. And um, so it wasn't a big leap to then say, why not pinpoint paranormal stuff? Right. And I th- and so I just I kind of had to just to do it myself. It was really just a labor of love, and I'm like, well, let me, let me you know what else is going on out there. Like, if I didn't know about Mothman, what else am I missing? And um, you know, 2004, 2005, you know, the internet was around, but it wasn't anything like it is today. Right. So you know, I was poking around, and then you know, I was kind of just reaching out and looking for things, and uh, I, I got connected with a couple of of good uh, people in Ohio uh, that helped me, um, you know, learn about some of the different uh, hauntings and cryptids and other unusual things. Um, And one is Jim Willis, who is uh, the founder and director of a paranormal research group called Ghosts of Ohio. And at the time, he was actually writing a book called Weird Ohio. Um, You all know the Weird Ohio or the Weird U.S series i I actually saw him the one of the one of my first forays into it was because i saw him speak at the local library yeah Mm -hmm. so he's still doing he's still out there if you uh, look him up on facebook or um 
Instagram. Um, I'm giving a shout out, a plug. And we're actually collaborating. He's writing a book right now on um, lore and legend of Southern Ohio. And he's oh, uh, working on the Athens pentagram, which which I mapped for the Hidden Ohio map I did. And so he and I were, were talking about that. So that'll be coming out for him this year. And he, he wow. uh, want, wanted to use, you know, my map and, you know, learn about how I went and found the cemeteries for, for that pentagram. It's, it's a, it's a five-star obviously pentagram around this town, Athens, Ohio. We all know Athens now because Cincinnati Bengals quarterback, uh, Joe Burrow is from Athens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, so there's five cemeteries outside of Athens. And if you connect the dots, they form a pentagram with Athens right in the middle. But, um, so that's kind of a weird, like, why, why is that there? Who, you know, who found that and does it mean anything? So, you know, Jim's exploring that in the book, but, um, I got connected with Jim, you know, back when I was researching the map and he was researching his, uh, the book Weird Ohio. And uh, I just started putting pinpoints on the map. And, and after a while I thought, you know, I, I dig this. I, I wonder if there's other people that would like to see this. And then I got thinking, well, maybe I will get this, you know, published and, and make it available for other people. Wow. And that's, so you, so I know that we were kind of talking, okay, I'll start over. Um, because we were initially mutuals on, on social media. Um, but we were both Ohio natives. Um, and then we, we had met each other at CryptidCon mm-hmm. and, you know, what, what, I guess what you didn't know, or I guess maybe you might've known at the time, I'm not sure. Um, but we've been mapping, you know, these instances of high strangeness, um, because documentary number two is about high concentrated areas of high strangeness. And so a really important tool to that is, is mapping it. Right. And so, right. um, I was like, well, holy shit, here's a guy that's already done it. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's wonderful. Um, I, I bought, I had purchased the map before we had met. I had purchased um, the, oh, not the Ohio map, but I had purchased the U.S. map. Um, uh-huh. So that was the first one that I'd gotten. And then I got the Ohio map from from you, um, mm-hmm. you know, at CryptidCon. And so, you know, it is, uh, it, it's, it's amazing. I mean, the stuff that's on there, because it's not just, I think one of the biggest things that I was impressed with was that it's not just you know the the usual hits right it's not just the classics it's got more than that um right and like we've talked about it is it's virtually impossible well it's not virtually virtually it's possible to map everything i guess if you have the time but it is impossible to do it uh on paper to map every single yeah map. yeah this is a paper map and right. um you know, I did the, the the Ohio map first. It came out in 2007. It's a very detailed map of Ohio. It's more detailed than the the road map, the map you get from for free from yeah. the state of Ohio. Uh, but I, I slapped 300 haunted spots on it. Um, you know, dozens of cryptid sightings, uh, some of the key UFO sightings. Uh, but again, you know, like I was telling you uh, before, you could fill up the map with Bigfoot sightings, UFO right. sightings, so much to the point where the map would become illegible. And I didn't want that to happen. Um, it would be great to see that where, you know, you put a dot everywhere somebody saw something and, and maybe that's that would be of use in another way. But for my purposes, right. uh, you know, I wanted to make more of an artistic map. And so what I did was uh, for Bigfoot sightings, yeah, they're, they're all over the state, but they're concentrated in different areas, especially southeastern Ohio, because it's the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains, and um, it's less populated. It's more 
forest it, it's hilly. So I did put more sightings there. Uh, I I picked and chose. I, I thought I would should pick some of the kind of the, the more classic ones. Uh, I'm reading through reports on, for example, BFRO.org, a Bigfoot yeah. research organization, where you can go in and read the people's submissions that they wrote. Um, some of them, you know, someone just heard something or they, they smelled something. You know, I tried to pick the ones that, that gave the most kind of classic example and detail. And, and, and me, it's hard to say like which one is real or not, but sure. you know, you kind of know when you start to read them, yeah. um, you know, which ones are, you can, you shift through them. So. Yeah, definitely. I, and I agree with that. So you, um, and I know when we were talking about the Ohio map and, you know, you're getting ready to, well, I don't know if you have yet, I think you're still getting ready to release the, the fourth edition of the Ohio map. Is that right? right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, right. And so, um, you know, you were mentioning, you know, I was like, well, what, what kind of things do you update on it? Can you go ahead and ex- explain that for the audience maybe of why there's different editions of the map? Yeah. You know, I, I printed the first edition and, and it came out in 2007 and uh, this was my first, you know, first try at this. And um, so, uh, you know, it did well. It sold about 5,000 maps in about a year. And then um, there was because it was a first edition, there were some errors I saw, some typos. Sure. I didn't like the paper it was printed on. It was a type of paper, kind of like the cover of Time Magazine, where okay. when you unfold the map over and over, it starts to tear mm-hmm. at at the at the fold. So I, I wanted to do a, a second edition pretty quickly, and um, part of that was changing the type of paper it was on but also correcting a couple of the typos. So I did a second edition, printed, I think, you know, five or 10,000 copies, and that those sold around the state for about a year or two. And then there were a couple other things I wanted to tweak and a couple of updates. People are emailing me and text, you know, messaging me and saying, oh, you know, you, this is supposed to be that, or, you know, why don't you have this on there? And so I'm looking at things. So I added a few more for a third edition, which came out in, um, I think, 2011. And that's been it. So for about 10 years, I've just kept reprinting this third edition because I thought like I really, I was really happy with it. But it's been 10 years. A lot of things have changed. Um, Partly just the base map, you know, there are new highways, there's a huge bypass around Portsmouth, Ohio. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a huge 10,000 acre wildlife area in uh, Brown County, east of Cincinnati, which is now preserved space that I want to show on the map. Uh, but you know, this is a map that shows mostly paranormal stuff. That's, you know, what people really buy the map for. So, uh, I wanted to add ones that people said, you should have this one on the map or you should have that. Um, and there are also ones that have kind of gone away. Um, two that come to mind right off the bat is one that most Ohioans know about. It's called Mudhouse Mansion. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, it was private property. It was an old mansion. It was abandoned. But the guy who owned the property was not friendly to sure. <laughs> uh, people that wanted to come and, and check it out. Um, in fact, he would often greet people with, with a shotgun. Sure. So um, that got torn down, I want to say, in like 2015. So I wanted to get that off the map. But what I did was I, I left it on the map, but I said, the actual building is torn down. Now, who knows what's still going on? Sure. You know, if there was a ghost in, in the house, 
does the ghost yeah. go away? No, I don't think they just um, move. They're like, I made that joke the other day. I was like, you know, I think that when a house, because people have lived and died over and over and over again on every single corner of our planet. Um, and, and so I don't think that, you know, that has anything to do with hauntings. Um, but, uh, you know, I say, I don't think that once the plumbing is gone, the ghost is like, well, well it's time to leave. You know, I don't think they do. <laughs> yeah. Well, that happens all the time with yeah. uh, hospitals that are right. torn down. And uh, and there's another one called the Emmett House Restaurant, which had a fire in Waverly, Ohio, in Pike County. And a beautiful old brick house building uh, that was a restaurant, unfortunately. And they they loved having the ghost. Like, they had kind of a dinner and a ghost thing going on. I mean, sure. they really promoted it, but uh, the the building uh, burned down, unfortunately. So I wanted to just update things like that. Like, hey, listen, the building's gone, so don't go there expecting to see it. Right. Um, and there's other hauntings that, um, you know, uh, you know, maybe they were there already, but uh, people have just um, gotten, uh, gotten me to see. Well, there's one that I found up in Northwestern Ohio, which was a church at the time that my third edition came out, the church was de-sanctified and now it's a brew pub. It's called Father John's Brewery and it's supposed to be haunted. So at the time, you know, it was an active church, so I didn't want to put it on the map. But, right. but now that it's like a brew pub, it's like, hey, yeah, go have a beer and see if you can experience some ghostly apparition. Well, and because that's the point of the map is that you, and you know, you mentioned this to me, you wanted to make it places that people could get to. A lot. Um, yeah, I try try to make make the locations kind of user friendly. Like you can go there and see for yourself. You can decide, hey, you know, I want to go there. Yeah, you know, it's spooky or whatever. Um, or you could at least drive by and see it. So um, I obviously don't condone trespassing. I have to say that for the record. But um, yeah, most of the places you can at least either drive by or you can make an appointment. You can, you know, go and buy some, some of them offer tours, you know, for sale. Sure. Right. Things like that. Well, I'll say for the record, Pat O does condone trespassing. <laughs> um, he's that kind of guy. So oh. hey. don't, bring me, don't bring me into this. That's not... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say I did. I said you did. So it's on but you. These people get if shot. you are in the state of Illinois <laughs> and you do find yourself being nabbed for trespassing, Use jacobsonlegalservices.com. That's jacobsonlegalservices.com. Absolutely. Valid in Illinois only. He does not have a license to practice law anywhere else. So. In Ohio. Okay. If you're in Ohio, you're fucked. Sorry. <laughs> well, anyway. Um, I got a question for the guest. Go ahead. So I guess I want to talk. I want to go way, way, way back and talk about the original seed that got planted in you with maps because that's a very – I mean, I get it. We all use maps. It's not like maps are foreign to, to some of us. And it's not that like, you know, mo most of us will go our lives without using one. Like we're all familiar with maps, mm -hmm. but something clicked with you with them. And yeah. is it I, from just from hearing you talk about it, it feels like you thought, and this is something that we, well, you tell me whether or not this is true, but like, it's something that like, you were kind of enamored by, and then you realized that people made them and you decided I'm going to be one of those people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You it's know? quite, you know, I haven't really analyzed it too much. I feel like I should lay down on a couch, but um, you know, my parents had these great atlases from, you know, post world war two and they, and they were these uh, beautiful, I'm a visual person. So 
in, in a spatial person. So I think for me, you know, you know, I had to see it. I had to understand the, um, the surroundings. Um, but I just remember, you know, pulling out these huge atlases. Um, you know, my parents uh, subscribed to National Geographic. So when the map would come every couple times a year in addition, I'd pull it out and it was just colorful and, you know, I'm easily entertained. So I think just bright and vivid colors probably attracted me like shiny, right? Um, <laughs> and um, so I just, you know, as a youth, I was definitely, uh, you know, in a, you know, kind of a bookworm and kind of academic to begin with, kind of an you know, a, a nerd Nick, but, um, you know, I'm looking up, you know, if I read about a place or something, I had to see where it was on a map. Um, well, there's a certain read- power and like naming and like, and like, you're, you're almost like creating an alternate reality when you make these things. Because the cartographer it- makes your reality, right? They can choose what's on the map and what's not. Right. So it's like, you kind of, you, 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 understand the power of a map and then comes the grab for the authority because now you want to be the person that makes it i listen to mark Marin and coast to coast by the way mm-hmm. I, am, I am not a one-trick pony i listen to multiple <laughs> guys so <laughs> if it sounds and i've also been in therapy for most of my life so whenever i go off on one of these things like just it, it comes from a place of love i'm not trying to pick you apart no, no i just no, think I, I just think it's super interesting because like you know maps are something we all use but we don't all know cartographers you know it's it's a very unique but very necessary function um and i mean i i know people that were when you saying that you work for the utilities company now it reminds me of a friend of mine who was an archaeologist and she worked for at&t and you know she went to school to be an archaeologist she she went and did like all these like you know research assignments in fucking peru and south america and then what does she do? She comes back and she gets a job for the telephone company, making sure that where they're putting their new cell phone towers doesn't interrupt burial mounds or something in the Midwest because the Midwest is mm-hmm. these fucking things. Yeah, and it, it's it's interesting how like those very creative, very like out there professions find very mundane homes, you know, working, you know, just for kind of like keeping our society going, you know. I didn't realize you could be a cartographer well into my like junior year in college. I started out as an accounting major because my dad said, you should go into business, whatever. And then, you know, a year into it, I'm like, this is bogus. I cannot do this. Yeah. So I switched and I actually switched to education, social studies education. And when you're a social studies education major, like the only thing you're going to do is probably become a a high school social studies teacher, history, geography, government, whatever. And, you know, that, so that was fine. That got me through college, but I, that still wasn't really, I, I didn't think that's what I wanted to do. So my senior year in college, I went to Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. I was taking a lot of geography classes uh, as part of my requirements to, for social studies. And all these geography classes obviously have a lot of maps and, you know, I was already a map guy. Like my roommates in college called me Mr. Maps because I had maps on the wall of like in the dorm room. And um, well, I also had Jim McMahon, but I also had maps. <laughs> and um, and then so I graduated and I went right into grad school for geography at the University of Cincinnati. And there you take cartography classes. You learn how to make a map. We actually learned how to 
one semester of how to make a hand-drawn map with like ink pens and the right kind of paper, uh, which is obviously now not how they make maps. Um, but they wanted us to know kind of the beginnings of that. And then mm-hmm. we went into other things. And it wasn't just map making. It was other things that have to do with geography, spatial analysis. Uh, GIS is a big thing today, geographic information systems. But um, we were doing you know different things in geography. And um, so I'm like, well, you know, I don't know if I'll be a cartographer, but I love geography and I, and I love maps. And that's a tool of geography as well as a tool for many other subjects. But um, I was lucky. I answered an ad in the paper in 1997 uh, after I'd finished grad school. It was, you know, the old fashioned classified ad. It was a little local map company this guy had started and he was doing maps for chambers of commerce where they would do street maps for different cities and um, answered the ad. And he, I went in and, you know, he obviously knew I love maps, but he was um, a PC guy like using DOS and all this stuff. I had used Mac because that was what people in education had yeah. always used. And um, he's like, well, you don't know DOS. So, you know, we're, I don't think this is going to work out. And I'm like, no, no, I, you know, I, I got friends. So I went and like for two weeks, I just crammed all this stuff about PCs and DOS. And I went back and I showed him. He's like, okay, well, it looks like, you know, and I was so happy because that got me my start. And uh, he, he uh, had been doing maps on and off uh, for many years and he'd been in the Air Force and other things. And so he really showed me, his name is Judd Ingalls, uh, and um, he does maps in, uh, for Cincinnati. He, he did maps all over, but he did a lot of atlases for Cincinnati and Dayton and um, just really showed me a lot of how you can make maps on, you know, on computers. So I really got my practical training with, with him for about 10 or 15 years. And then it was kind of time to move on. And that's when I found the job at the utility company. But, um, you know, that was just, that, that was great experience. I, I, I'm very lucky. I, I feel, you know, that I was able to you know, take my passion and, um, you know, find a job doing it. Yeah. Well, and then now, I mean, and, you know, now you've taken it and you've, you've combined it with, with a different passion, and, I've melded the two for sure. Right. I mean, and I think that's really neat. I think that um, for people, you know, like myself that like to go out and investigate and do these things, I think the, I think the map is really fun um, because it feels very safari-esque, right? I mean, you think, like, <laughs> yeah. you think of like Indiana Jones, you got your map, you're going to go hunt some Bigfoot or whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. In fact, uh, Jesse from um, Hill... Hill, Hellbent Holler, um, yeah. Yeah, Hellbent Holler. She, I met her at CryptidCon, and, and her and Joe, she and Joe got a map, and she just messaged me the other day. She's like, we're going to, you know, wherever, and we've got your map. And I'm like, I am I am humbled. I am just like, what? Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, the map, you can only put so much on there. Uh, so I've got the Ohio map, and we, sh- we should kind of tell people who might not be familiar after I did the Ohio map, it's yes. a very detailed map. Like I said, it's huge. It's 38 inches wide by 50 inches high, a two-sided full-color map. Um, after I did the Ohio map, people were asking me, do you have other states? You know, oh, do you have, you know, West Virginia or Pennsylvania yeah. or you know, whatever? And um, I'm like, well, no, but I, you know, I really want to do, you know, other states. And I hummed and I hawed and, and I finally, th- and I and I thought of Illinois too, Pat, because I grew up there, but I just... Nothing, nothing was really 
I, I need passion. I need interest. And nothing was really grabbing me. Mm-hmm. And so finally, about um, you know five years later, 2012, I said, you know what? I'm just going to map the entire country. And I'm going to obviously just have to hit the highlights. It can't be everything that's out there because it just won't fit on the map. But I'm going to hit the highlights. I'm going to hit the stuff that interests me. I made the map for myself. Uh, I, I know I put Indian mounds on there because I love Indian mounds. Ancient American earthworks, Serpent Mound, um, you know, Cahokia, all these places. And um, I put uh, uh, military and government sites. So I made a national map. It took 10 years for me to research because, well, partly because I procrastinate, but just living life and raising kids and whatever. Um, So 2019 hits. My kids are off in college. The pandemic hits. And I sit down and I've been working on the map for at that point for like seven years. I'm like, okay, I got to get this done. My job had sent me to work from home. Nothing is going on else outside of my life because of the pandemic. And I was able to take about a year and just really just drive it home and get the map done. And uh, so the map came out last summer, July 2020 or 2021. And um, if it wasn't for the pandemic, I'd probably still be working on it right now. So <laughs> that's honest. <laughs> the, nas- the national map is called Map in Black, and um, it pinpoints haunted places, cryptids, UFO sightings, ancient American earthworks. Uh, I put the spot where DB Cooper probably landed because because I just love that stuff. I mean, I put stuff on the map that I like. Yeah. And where can people find these? Um, if you go to Half Price Books, they are selling it for me. Uh, they've got about 100 locations around the country. Um, I would love for you to go to your local bookstore, independent bookstore. They probably don't have it, but tell them, I want you to you know, get this map and carry it. I'll, I'll send them 10 copies wholesale and, and have them sell it. I want them to be able to work with me on this. Uh, they can also go to my website, mapandblack.com, and order it. But again, I would love for your local bookstore to have have this available. Sure. Well, that, I mean, yeah, go go check out, go check your local bookstore, um, see if it's there. Um, whether it is or it is not, buy buy books from them, please, because they need yep. the help. Um, they do. I love I love half price books. I was just talking to my wife about this because the the paint and sip that we did for our anniversary was right next to half price books. And I, I miss being younger and living in shitty apartments where I had no room because I didn't collect anything that I didn't absolutely need to. So, like, I would have a Jimmy John's box. And as I read books, I would throw my books into the Jimmy John's box. And then when the box got full, I would just go to half price books. And then here's a bunch of now I keep everything. I'm a yeah. hoarder. I have a book. <laughs> I, you know, I can have I can have a floor to ceiling bookshelf and my and my man cave in the back of the house, you know. But when I was younger, I didn't have this space for that and i knew that i'd be moving in a year and i'd have to carry all this shit with me um and half price books was like my favorite place in the world to go just mm-hmm. walking into that place and the smell of it and i could be in there for hours and you know find stephen king books i hadn't read yet or go yes. against old man in the sea be like screw it it's 2.99 i've never read this before why not grab it you know oh it's um, great for 40 and for old 40 and books that like are really oh, expensive on ebay or you can't find it's perfect i got so that. much stuff when i was researching hidden ohio because you go in and they have a local section so here they have you know haunted ohio and you know cincinnati haunted ghosts and right and it's perfect so some of your 
listeners might not know it because they're not in every state, but it's sure it's a it's a used bookstore, but they have some new books, but you can go and sell your old books there as well. So it's a, it's a great place to find um, a lot of uh, great old stuff. So they have, like I said, over a hundred locations, I think in like 20 States. I know our but, buddy uh, uh, from Aaron D's from Hey Strangeness. He talks about going all the time and he's in Texas. So, I mean, I Texas think... is their headquarters. They have, Oh, well that makes sense. Yeah. They have the most locations in Texas. Oh, well, yes. I know where, th- I know where three of them are. Uh, just Chicago but, has a bunch. Yep. Yeah. Just based on like my neighborhood and like my, where I, the circles that I travel in. So sure. I was so lucky. Um, you know, I reached out to them when I had the hidden Ohio map, I reached out to the Ohio locations and, um, they, they were so nice. And, and, um, I mean, if, if they didn't get the map, I don't know if I would have been able to continue to, to print new editions because they would buy so many for me, you know, in bulk. Um, and, and I would give them a huge discount because they were buying so many, and there are like 15 stores in Ohio, which is great. You know, Cincinnati, Dayton, Columbus, uh, Cleveland all have multiple locations. So uh, that really helped fan out the Hidden Ohio map across the state. Mm-hmm. So when I was getting ready to print my national map, Map in Black, I reached out and um, to the Ohio people. And they're like, oh, you need to go to, you know, talk to our national guy. And uh, so I did. I was really like nervous, like, oh, this guy doesn't know who I am. And how am I going to explain this map to him? Oh, it's a map that, you know, has haunted places and cryptids. And um, you you just don't know, like, how people are going to react to that. But um, (laughs) he was cool. And, you know, I sent him a copy. He's in Seattle, but he buys like nationally for half price books. And um, so um, he got the map and... um, like he, he would talk to the Ohio people and they're like, yeah, this sells really well. So he ordered a bunch and that was able to, uh, to help me, uh, kind of launch the national version map in black. And so they got like 2000 copies that they took for their stores and they have them at least in, in Cincinnati, they have them right up at the checkout counter, which is amazing. It, I mean, because that's like an impulse buy, right? You're up there and like, right. oh, yeah. what's this? So, um, yeah, I think I, just, I, pre- I had pre-ordered the uh, map in black when it was coming out. I couldn't wait to get it. <laughs> I kept I kept telling people like it's it's going to be out soon, and then there was there was a printing issue. And let me just apologize to anyone that did pre-order. So it's called Map in Black because I wanted the base map, you know, the 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 states of the U.S. to be black, and then everything else, the symbols and the text okay. on top of that would be white and different colors and um you know i've got a ghostly handprint for the haunted places well when i got the proof from the printer in april the the black requires so much ink because black is a combination of every other color when you're printing uh cmyk cyan magenta yellow and so they have to run through the printing press three times it soaked up so much ink that the paper rippled so then when they ran it through for like another color, they're trying to get, uh, it's called registration. It's not matching up. So everything's blurry and you couldn't read anything. I'm like, okay, this is a disaster. Um, you know, people are going to kill me. I'm not going to be able to get the map out. Um, I had to basically reconsider the style. I'm talking to my friend, Chuck, who's a graphic design major. He teaches at Sinclair Community College in Dayton. And um, 
you know, given he's given me, you know, ideas, well, you know, okay, you know, try this and try that. So I kind of did a reverse and I made the background gray and I made the water like around the US, you know, the Pacific and the Atlantic, I made that black because there's not much going on out there. And because I already had the website map in black, so I couldn't like change. I had, to have the, <laughs> I had to have something black sure. on the map. Um, so that's why you look at it now and you're wondering, well, what, what's that black. mean? What's that mean? You know, map I guess in I black? didn't question it. I just assumed, oh, it's a, it's a play on men in black. It makes sense. Well, it's a map. Well, it was. <laughs> it totally was. Men in black. Yes. So it made sense to me. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> it was a play on that, but I also thought, well, if I'm going to say that, I should have some black sure. in the map. <laughs> and and at first I wanted the whole like base map to be black. It just, it doesn't work <laughs> when you print a huge map yeah. like, and, like this. And it's big. I mean, I'm sure in the promo of the show, I'm, I'm probably going to show the, the picture of me and Anne with the map. Um, because it's it's a large map. I mean, it's not you know just a little it's, eight by ten. <laughs> yeah, it's it's about as big as they come, thirty eight by fifty. Yeah. Um, and you know what? I I actually had to decrease the coverage area because I I wanted the entire Bermuda Triangle like on one sheet, but the text like everything was too small. The scale yeah. was not right, so I had to shrink the coverage. And I lost part of uh, the uh, Bermuda Triangle, unfortunately. I mean, everyone knows where it is. And really, it's out in the middle of the ocean. So you're not really mapping anything except the points that the triangle makes of Bermuda, Puerto Rico, and Miami. So I've got Puerto Rico and, and Miami as two of the points. And then it kind of just goes, it trails off the map. So. If you ever do like a, like a big re-release of it, or, you know, you do maybe your next edition, you could, you should do like a limited time deal where you get the map and you get like a little, like really like a cool magnifying glass. <laughs> and I like a about this. including one because yeah. <laughs> you almost need one even for this edition. The uh, text is pretty small. And I've got really thick glasses. Anyone that's met me knows. I mean, I've had them since I was two years old. But um, I, um, yeah, even I, like, kind of have to squint sometimes to see some of the text. But, I mean, I think it would I think it would be a cool bundle. Like I said, a little adventures kit, I think, would be neat. I see um, that, yes. Yeah. You know, I think mm -hmm. that would be cool. So, you know, and we kind of talked about, um, you know, I don't know how much you want to touch on it, but, like, we talked about, other maps that people are doing what do you think about the other you don't have to mention names or if you don't want to um but, mm -hmm. but there are other people that do kind of make these maps and uh you know nowadays um you know we have we have google and i mentioned that when we map these things we yeah. just use google maps and it's real easy um compared to you know yourself you you've done a physical blood sweat and tears map and now there's other people with their apps mm -hmm. and their things right, right. What, what do you think about them you know doing that i Oh, I'm all for it. I love it. Um, I just want to be, I, I wanted to provide my special interest. And I think that's what everyone does. You know, when people are into this stuff, you know, you see the artists that can draw and they, they draw the cryptids. Sure. I just wanted to take my passion that I already have and, and add it to the community. So yeah. I know there's other people doing maps and I'm all for it. I love it. There, I feel no animosity or jealousy. There is, um, uh, my my buddy out in um, the Pacific Northwest, he is doing great um, scientific accurate maps. Um, it's uh, Pacific Northwest maps. I can't think of the exact name, but it's like P N W. He's on Instagram, 
um, he he's talked to you know Micah Hanks and, and different sure. folks. So he's he's creating very accurate maps and he's overlaying different layers of the vegetation and the elevation to um, to show where Bigfoot is and the habitat that Bigfoot has. And I think that's great and I think that's needed. Um, if if I could if I had the technology for that, I would probably want to do that too. It, it's very specialized and he, he has that technological bug that he can do that with. And and I think that's needed. Yeah. I, great. yeah. I fully support it. Right. And we've talked about just how much, just the research alone goes into doing something like this. So much. It's a lot. Yeah. And yeah. when you're a one person crew, it, it's helpful when you got other people that are also doing it. So <laughs> that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and I, I agree with that. So, um, okay. Well, why don't we share some some things off of the maps that you can find um do you have anything in particular that you know whenever you're showing somebody the map for the first time you're like oh look at this though did you hear about this thing or any favorites yeah with the ohio map um, you know i've done presentations i've gone around to you know libraries and i was at the circleville pumpkin festival one yeah. year and um so yeah, i get those questions a lot um it depends on the subject, you know, whether it's a cryptid or a UFO or, or a haunted spot. Um, and I'll stick to Ohio for now. But for Ohio, my favorite haunt is the Moonville Tunnel. And and for several reasons. I mean, there's great haunts all over Ohio. There's um, Mansfield Reformatory that everyone loves. And I spent the night there, uh, which is where they filmed um, Shawshank Redemption. Even though it was supposed to be in Maine, they, they filmed it in Ohio because they had this recently uh, uh, emptied prison uh, that um, they were about to destroy. And luckily, in part because they filmed Shawshank Redemption and, and some and Air Force One and, and some rap videos, they were able to uh, keep that preserved. So, um, you know, that's a great spot. But Moonville Tunnel, I'm a nature person. I love, sure. you know, the woods. So you go down to southeastern Ohio and you're in, you're going to be in the forest. You're going to be in wayne national forest or shawnee state park uh lots of they call it the little smokies so moonville tunnel is in southeastern ohio just outside of athens in uh, vinton county and it's an old uh, railroad tunnel brick tunnel that they built uh just like around the turn of the century at late 1800s and they wrote the word moonville i mean that's just a cool name to begin yeah. with and it's on the old USGS topographic maps. It says Moonville. So it was a railroad stop. And uh, they had to put the tunnel through the hills of uh, southeastern Ohio. And um, then the the, the train uh, tracks ended up uh, becoming um, abandoned. And they've now taken the tracks out. But you can still walk into what is now a state forest, Zaleski State Forest, and find this tunnel in the middle of the woods. It just like pops out into the open as you're turning around this um, this uh, path in the woods. So it's just it's very bizarre just to see this thing kind of pop up in the woods. Um, if you bring little kids, just know you're going to have some graffiti, some interesting sure. graffiti. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but, it's pretty um, easy. But, considering it's in the middle of the woods, it's pretty easy to get to. It um, is. You can take, easy. yeah, you can. And so on my map, I have directions, you know, a description of, of the haunting. Uh, there was a, there are several hauntings there. The, the main one is the lantern man who was on the back of the train apparently fell off and got decapitated. And so the story is that he is carrying a lantern and still looking for his head. Mm -hmm. 
So if you're there at night, which I, I've never, I've, I've been there at just at dark, but I usually go to these places in the middle of the day just because of my schedule. Yeah. And they're not as scary, but um, sure. if you go, um, you know, at night, you know, you're supposed to see the light kind of show up in the distance and, and then as you get closer, it'll disappear. But uh, that's the lantern man. Yeah. And they do a, uh, they do a, uh, like a Halloween festival up there every year. Um, oh, yeah. Wow. And, uh, yeah, they do. They do it. Um, it goes on until, I believe it goes on until like midnight. And then after that point, they do an, a paranormal investigation that you could sign up for with the team or whatever. Um, so that's very neat and touristy if you're more into the touristy thing. If not, I mean, it's available all the time for you to just go all the time. Visit, yeah. So. <laughs> it's in the state forest and, um, yeah. you know, you might be the only one there. So, um, is there still a little, um, right around that area i mean within walking distance i believe if you go through the woods a little bit more there's like a little abandoned town you can see uh there's a cemetery as well moonville cemetery that you can find um if you look closely in the woods it's hard because the trees have grown up around it but there are some building foundations that uh, they're hard to see but they're there um there was a, a saloon right on the railroad tracks uh, which was also a hotel and, you know, a bar and, and, and probably, ev- you know, everything. It was brothel, multi-use. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Most likely a brothel. <laughs> uh-huh. And, I mean, there was a town there and they called it Moonville. And uh, it just, it popped up because of the tracks and because it was a train stop. And it, it is literally a ghost town. I mean, it's gone. There's, you're not going to, it's hard to see. Right. But if you're looking and, and, and you're almost going to say, are those rocks or is that, the foundation sure. of the building and they used the rocks as the foundation. So yeah, it's oftentimes hard to, to tell. Well, and that's what I tell people. If, you, if you're going to go, if you're going to make the trip, just make sure you, you also look around for that too, because you're already there. You might as well. So <laughs> When you're there, I was there in the middle of the day and you know, I took my little kids. I've been there multiple times. I, for, for a while I was going every year and just bringing different friends. Like you got to come check this out. And, when you're there, it's like you're going back in time and you walk through the tunnel and you keep going down the path, which is now a rails to trails path. But at the time when I was there, you had to uh, like go down the uh, side of, of the valley into the creek and, and cross it. And hopefully it wasn't too deep. Now sure. they built bridges for the rail to trail. But um, so it was, it was really an adventure to go there uh, back in the mid 2000s. Um, and uh, it's just. You're going when you go past the bridge. There are these old telephone poles. I mean, they look like they're out of the, I, I don't know, like uh, 50 years ago or longer. And you just feel like you're going back in time. And it's just, it's, you know, these. There's a reason these places are haunted. I mean, you just, your the hairs in the back of your neck stand up, and you just, you get a weird sensation. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I, I definitely, I recommend visiting Moonville Tunnel. Um, I haven't been there yet. <laughs> Oh boy! All right, road I, trip. Yeah, I've not been there yet. Uh, it's okay. definitely on the list, so uh, we will yep. we will make it out there. Um, it just keeps being one of those things that it's like, well, we need to go see this thing, and then we just keep not not going. You know, that was something that we had talked about also with this map. Is you know, I had said that you know, I I got my footing in this because me and my friends used to do drugs and go ghost hunting, <laughs> quote unquote. And uh, you know that's that's how this started. And I, I would have loved to have had the map. You know, then I didn't know the map was available then, and apparently it was. So. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry that you weren't able to. 
I know. Use the drugs. Have the map. Right. That would have been. That would have been um, easier. I mean, we probably would have had less, you know, stories to tell about getting lost and all that. But that's um, right. Yes. You know, that was part of the adventure. But you know, sometimes we'd just be like, well, you know, are we gonna? you know, where are we going to go tonight? Well, that's, I mean, so I got into the weird Ohio book because for a long time we were using it to pick locations yeah. to go to these places while we did our drugs. And, uh, <laughs> it's, you know. it's a great companion. So, you know, the map ha- can't tell the story right. very well. Uh, on the back of the Ohio map, I do have like one line to give you a very succinct summary of, of why it's haunted. And then, exact directions on the national map the map in black there's not room no. I have over a thousand yeah. haunted spots dozens of cryptids so you know today everyone has a smartphone back right. when i did oh, the ohidden ohio map in 2007 i think i think i had a blackberry but you know you weren't looking things up on the phones at that point that's why i wanted to make sure i had the information on the map but when i did the map in black i'm like you know how you know, do I need to have the description on the map? I mean, people are going to look this up, stuff up anyways. Sure. Even well, if I have a one-line description, they're going to want to know more. Well, it gives you a really good out to promote other people within the community to be like, oh, if you want to know more, you can check. You know, it, it gives people yeah. a reason to go searching for the media and things, which is awesome. Yes. Um, yeah, it's, you know, that's it's, again, it's a good companion for, um, you know, find your uh, favorite haunted book for your region. Uh, for your state, for your city, whatever it is. Yeah, um, definitely. You know, get the cryptid books by you know your favorite cryptid author, whoever that might be. Sure. And uh, and then go out and see where I've pinpointed the cryptids. Um, again, you're probably saying, well, why don't you have the cryptid that was seen, you know, in 2008 at this spot? Well, you know, I can't fit them all. I I, I try to do representative sampling. Obviously, Bigfoot is probably the most common one on the map. Sure. Um. It's big in Ohio. I mean, it's <laughs> big in Ohio. It's big in, it's, everywhere. I think it's. I think it's in every state. I mean, it is. I, yeah, I, I think it is. I, mean, I don't know if it's not in Hawaii. I do not have it in Hawaii. Oh, <laughs> but, it, but it's in Alaska. <laughs> so it's okay. So go, going on the cryptids, what's your favorite cryptid or you know cryptids on the map? Um, well, I mean, I'm not trying to brown nose, but it has to be Mothman well, because that's what started the Ohio map. I mean, I saw the movie. We went there to check it out ourselves, and that was the inspiration for me to start making the map. So I have to give credit where credit is due. Mothman, uh, you you got me to map the strange and paranormal around <laughs> Ohio and around the country. Well, I mean, and you know, I, I, I love that because... And you do include some of the things along the southern border, not just in Ohio, but like the Mothman sightings over in West Virginia and things like that. And, right across the border, yeah. Right. And and I think that I love it because, you know, every, when everybody thinks of Mothman, they think of Point Pleasant, West Virginia. And it's like, well, but Ohio actually had a lot, a lot more people that lived in Ohio died in, on the, in the bridge collapse than they did in West Virginia. It was, yeah. Um, you know, and so Ohio, Mothman is very much an Ohio legend. And, um, you know, that's... Gallipolis and, um, yeah, Southern Ohio had plenty of sightings. But yeah, plenty of sightings, um, you know, right there along the river. And so people, I mean, that's where the, the name came from, an Ohio journalist. And so... <laughs> You know that right. people tend yeah. to kind of forget that, and so I think from Athens, from Athens, Ohio, the Ohio, exactly Athens yep. messenger um, Mary, I forget her last name, but um, she was a journalist in Ohio, and uh, yeah, she dubbed the term 
and people just like i said that it's like there's erasure uh, erasure of uh, mothman lore here so I, I like that it's represented on the map um what about some of your favorite uh aliens what about those guys on the map oh there's there's every time i get into like a, a really good ufo story i'm just captivated um and you know i i put I put plenty on the map. There's several dozen across the country. Obviously, I've got Roswell. I've got sure. the Kenny Arnold uh, sighting that gave us the term flying saucer. Um, the um, Betty and Barney Hill in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite is, I mean, I'm going to go back to Ohio just because sure. that's really where I've kind of studied the, the details of these the most. Uh, is a police chase in northeastern Ohio back in 1966. Two police officers uh, in Portage County, last name Neff, N-E-F-F, and Spower, uh, were uh, coming out of, I think, a little restaurant or something at like 5.30 in the morning when they saw this light that they could not identify. So they got in a cruiser and they started to chase it. And for um, 20-some miles more than that, um, across the rolling hills of northeastern Ohio, east of Akron, up by Youngstown, but out in the country, they um, they chased this UFO. Uh, it always stayed in front of them. It kind of flew down the road, and, and other police officers joined in from other jurisdictions, and it went into Pennsylvania, right there by the border. Uh, they continued into Pennsylvania, even though they were out of their jurisdiction, uh, finally, they were getting low on gas and they're like, listen, we need to stop. So they turned around and uh, went back, made the report. Again, dozens of other officers from different uh, departments collaborated their story. And um, this was in, I, like I said, I think 1966. Um, the government came out, the U.S. Air Force came out, mm-hmm. uh, maybe from Wright Pad, I'm not sure where, but. Um, they came out to investigate and uh, interviewed them and you know, whatever else you know, they did at the time. And their conclusion was that they chased Venus as it rose in the morning sky. Yeah. Now, this was so bright, it was making their eyes water. Now, I've seen Venus, and it, it's a bright object in the sky compared to other things. But it is not making your eyes water, and no. you are not wanting to chase it. So. Yeah, right. It doesn't move, right? It's stationary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So and when, after the first was, mile, you'd be like, oh, it's not moving anymore. <laughs> yeah. 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 And they're going down these country roads. It's They're not on the interstate. Right. So Steven Spielberg was born in Ohio mm-hmm. and um, this took place there. So 10 years later, after this police chase, guess what he does? He takes that police chase and he puts it in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Now, in that movie... He transplants the location to Indiana, where, uh, if you remember, the police officers are chasing all the UFOs as they go down and they're crashing yeah. into the you know, wood fence and stuff. He took that right out of that true life story because it was all over the news, all over the country. Wow. I didn't paper. know that at all. That was a very fun fact. Headline stories in the paper. I, I mean, I've never heard Spielberg say that, but you have to think that he saw that and sure. he recreated that exact place chase wow that's so really cool. uh, and that was only 10 years later right 1966 right. is when these officers chased it and then 10 years later he's filming close encounters 
probably 1976 is when he was filming it. And then it came out in 1977. Um, and so he just moved the location for whatever reason, um, you know, with Terry Gar and Richard Dreyfus in, uh, in sure. Indiana. No, that's really cool. I didn't, well, that's, I, I think that's even cooler because that's such a, um, nobody talks about that, 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 that police chase encounter a lot, um, which I think is. is yeah. Kind and there's of, multiple UFOs in that one. You know, he added a bunch and. You know, I, I just mean, right. The actual event itself. I feel like nobody, nobody talks about, about that a lot. They and don't. don't. And, you know, you it's know, very a reporter, a report. One of the guys quit the police force, and I don't remember which one, Neffer Spauer, but um, one of them quit the police force. Um, you know, he was ridiculed. Can you imagine, you know, like other police officers, like, hey, dude, you see any UFOs today? Oh, yeah. And, um, Especially he, for the time. Quit. I mean, you know, right. in the 60s, you know, it wasn't. But he never, he never, um, like, he always said, you know, this is what he saw. Yeah. Um, a reporter tracked him down years later. Uh, he was kind of destitute. He said he wished he'd never seen it. He said it ruined his life. Wow. In fact, he saw one again years later, he, he claimed. Um, I, he probably did, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, if I'm yeah, honest, yeah. a lot of these people that experience these these mm -hmm. events of high strangeness don't just experience it once. <laughs> they right. do it over and over right. again. And I know you're, I know you're you know, um, researching... Um, Woody, Darren. Oh, yeah. Entered the entered cold story. Yeah. Yeah. And, yep. you know, the multiple encounters. So this yep. this guy said he, he saw one again. I don't know what the interaction was or how much uh, detail there was, but um, like he was divorced. He had like was living in a trailer. He had like opened a bar or something and that, you know, just. Uh, he Sounds like he's doing it. okay for himself. I mean, he's got a, <laughs> he, a he double wide and he's a business owner. Like, don't. <laughs> I mean, hey, some of, to some of us, that's a dream come true. But <laughs> no, he he did. He said he wished he'd never seen it. I mean, this guy never tried to make money off of it. These are the stories that fascinate me when, you know, they don't, they're not trying to, you know, just write a book or whatever. Sure. And if you are, that's fine. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But this guy was just, it's like the Mothman witnesses. You know, yeah. I, I went to Mothman Festival and I, and I, talked to one of the original witnesses um, i think it was linda scarborough wow, yeah um and um you know you look someone in the eye and you know if they are telling the truth or not or she's and she told me she's like i don't know what it was but i seen it and yep. it was it was something i can't explain and wow, I mean, you just get chills. It's just... Yeah, Linda was always actually during my my paranormal expo presentation on the Mothman. I I included her quote of her saying pretty much exactly what the guy said. I I wish we had never seen it. I wish somebody else had seen it. Oh, and yeah. you know, she maintained. And they went on to you know one one thing about the Scarberry story itself is that you know people don't realize that they ended up having poltergeist like activity at the home. Linda continued to see the Mothman throughout the mm -hmm. years of her life inside the mm -hmm. home and outside the home and i mean it just mm -hmm. carried on forever and um you know people don't really see that they just kind of go you saw something ridiculous no that didn't happen um but you're right when you talk to these people and you sit down and really listen to their story um you know i tell everybody because the, one of the most effective stories that we've ever had on the show was was roy stubblefield sharing his dogman encounter 
um, because you can't. Roy's not an actor. He's not a writer. He's not any type of creative. He's just a working guy, regular guy that happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. And, and, and you can just hear it in his voice when he tells it. You know, and that's probably if you're not going to be able to talk to somebody who's had a really strange encounter like that, um, that is probably the next best thing that you're going to get to experiencing what it's like to hear them tell the story mm-hmm. because it is very effective. And uh, but no, I mean, you're that's amazing. I had no idea that you had you had actually spoken with Linda. That would have been. Whew. I think I think that's I'm, I, it, it was one of the older ladies. And, and if I'm, I'm pretty sure that was the name that sticks in my mind. Linda that was Farber, probably yeah. ten, 10 years ago. It probably I, I was. A, she was very vocal about the yeah. encounter. So I, I had a booth, you know, with selling my map and she was out, out there signing autographs or whatever. I'm not sure, but uh, I just wanted to go up and, and meet her and, and um, you know, to, to see somebody face to face and have them talk to you. You just, you, know, you you get your own spidey senses on sure. on uh, kind of the BS meter. Sure. Well, you know, speaking of uh, speaking of encounters, have you ever experienced anything strange? I am probably not um, the best person, you know, to to ha- to be able to share anything strange. I mean. When I was at Moonville, I was with some friends. Um, they have a little radio show out of Bowling Green, and they were on the way to the Mothman Festival, and I wanted to show them Moonville. And we were there just at dark, and, and she was taking pictures with an old-fashioned camera, right, with film. And um, didn't think of anything of it, but weeks later, she got it developed, and there was a white spot behind us. And, um, you know, yeah, I can't explain that. I don't, I don't know. Uh, what that was. I didn't see it at the time. I wasn't looking in that direction, but um, you know, that's, that's unexplained. I'm not going to say it was anything um, because I don't know. Um, So, you know, I found that interesting. Sure. Uh, I spent the night at Waverly Hills Sanatorium in Louisville um, with the ghosts of Ohio. And we, we had some, uh, some just people who were um, fans of the group could go. And, and I was standing next to a lady and, and she said she smelled a cigar which apparently is something that people experience. I don't know why, but um, I couldn't smell anything. Sure. I wanted to, but I'm like, oh, wow. And um, so you know, <laughs> I missed out on that for whatever reason, but she she, she was. And, and I've been on different um, uh, investigations with the Ghosts of Ohio, a uh, sure. normal group that um, do private residential places um, as well as going to these you know fun places that are open for tours. Um, and there's things that uh, have been picked up by the um, different instruments that sure. are unexplained, but um, nothing um, outright that I would say that I could point to and, and uh, say, oh, yeah, I saw that ghost. All right. You know, I, I encountered this cryptid uh, as much as I've tried. I mean, I've been <laughs> out there and looking around and, and you know, come at me, you know, give me. And I, I don't scream that. I'm not like Zach or whatever, but. Um, I'm, I'm very subdued and humble, but um, I'm just like, no, I mean, I, I'd love for, um, for, uh, to, to, I've, I've put myself in the situation to, sure. to have those experiences. And, um, and so far, nothing outright is, is, has come to the forefront. Does that ever, um, well, okay, I guess we'll establish this. Is it safe to say that, that you believe in these things? 
No, it's not safe. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I, um, you know, the more I've done this map being stuff and the more I've gone out and um, looked at places, the more I've talked to people. And Hey, if you, if you're telling me that something happened to you, I I believe you, I'm I'm not there to try to talk you out of it. Sure. Um, Sure. But I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm on the skeptical side and, um, you know, I want to, I mean, classic phrase, right? I want to believe like, sure. I'm, I'm a, I'm a hopeful skeptic. Like, yeah, you know, I'm sure there's something out there. Well, listen, there, there is stuff out there that is happening that we can't explain that there's no doubt. Uh, I'm putting this stuff on the map because enough people, I'm not putting one thing on the map because one person said this happened to me here. I'm putting right things on the map where enough people have said, I've experienced something here. And so this is, these points are are places that I think we've come to agree as a whole that, that something is going on here. Okay. I'm- something happened here at one point in time. Maybe it's not happening now, but, uh, you know, like, Mothman and Point Pleasant, you know, sure. 19, the 1966 to 67 span. And I know you talk about Mothman in other spots and it's not a one-time thing. And I, yeah, that's, I, I agree. Um, but, um, you know, with the hauntings, um, some of them may be their one-time situations, but a lot of them are residual where it seems like the same thing happens over and over. Sure. And, and I, 100% respect the fact that you you are a skeptic because you know a lot of people uh, Tobias said it best Tobias Whalen said it best about when we had Adam on the show last week that he liked how he was he was open-minded but not so open-minded that his brains fell out and <laughs> and I've heard that before and I think that that's a really good way to put it um <laughs> you know because it, there's some things that you see that you're like yeah no <laughs> that didn't <laughs> not to say there's that, something you know. going on and i know yeah i i know you know when when you you i mean you're you were brave enough to share at, at haunted marietta that sure. you know you're not sure about ghosts or what we call ghosts and <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's just i think it's terminology I, there's something going on and, and some people want to call it a ghost or some people want to call it an alien or um or bigfoot something is going on. We have limited terms for how we can describe something based on our limited five senses. Mm-hmm. And if you go back and think about when the Europeans first came to this country, they had no terms for some of the wildlife they saw. So they called it, you know, a wood rat or something like that. They, sure. just, they combined words from their background in Europe and they, they didn't know how to describe things. So what we're, what we're seeing um, is, is beyond our understanding, beyond our comprehension. I wish I knew if I did, we'd, we'd all have the answers, right? If any of us knew, um, we wouldn't be out there looking. So something's going on. Uh, We have to keep looking. We have to keep trying different things. I, I love that all these people are out there, whether it's with your EVP or whatever, uh, you know, I'm not a big orb guy, so let's take it easy on the orbs. But, um, but you know, get out there. I, mean, I think our own body is is enough of an instrument to tell if something is if something is off or something is not right. I'd agree with um, that. Yeah, I think it just goes back to our 
you know, we always go back to the caveman, like the evolutionary sure. instincts that uh, we developed and were able to use to survive. Like we see a shape in the woods that looks like it might be moving. Like we we become alert. Right. Uh, something tells us that we need to be careful. So, uh, you know, that's what we're seeing out there with Bigfoot or Mothman. It's 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 um, it's different for everybody, but it's I think just a, a culmination of of how we've come to the point where we are today mm-hmm. in our evolution you you had said something to me that you know because i, I we, when we talked to CryptidCon, i had mentioned yeah you know this mapping thing it's it's wonderful it's a great idea i love it because you know we have all of this stuff happening in this one area here and then nothing right here and then we ha- it picks back up again i i've mentioned that a lot to people um when i talk about looking into concentrated areas of high strangeness that you have you know all the way down the east coast and you know through the midwest and and whatnot you have all this weird stuff and then you kind of get to the center of the country and it's kind of blank and then you get back down to the west coast and there's more and you had a very simple explanation for that and you just said well there's less people and i was like well you have to have people there to see to make an observation and and definitely when you get into the great plains uh, sure. You don't get much going on out there. Right. Uh, and, not that there isn't anything going on, but right. um, you just need more eyes out there to see right. things. So as an investigator, what I, you know, I saw that and I went, huh, hmm, well, maybe he just ruined my theory. But maybe he didn't. <laughs> maybe what I need to do instead is to start hitting harder on those states and investigating them more thoroughly because maybe nobody has yet. Nobody has. These are the last right. frontiers. Exactly. You know, I exactly. mean, it's not just Alaska. Um, it's, um, and you know, it's, um, there, there's the Mexican desert. There's things going on. Um, sure. And I've got a little bit of Mexico on the map just because when you draw a rectangle around the U.S., you get parts of Mexico and you get parts of Canada. And I love Canada. I've been all over Canada. Uh, so I've got insets for the Maritimes. Uh Nova Scotia and, and those provinces. And I've got little insets for, you know, the Caribbean islands just because, mm-hmm. you know, if you go there, Hey, there's haunted stuff going there's on there. I'm there, sure. Man. I'm sure. <laughs> like I'm sure Havana, Cuba. I mean, that's an, historic city i'm sure there's all kinds of cool ghost stuff i couldn't find much in the literature just because it's probably in spanish and uh, we're not allowed to go to cuba or at least sure. we not until recently but you know these are there are plenty of frontiers out there you know pick your spot that you enjoy or you know places that you like um whether it's your own backyard or it's you know southeastern ohio like me going to moonville you know get a territory and make it your own and learn everything you can about it um, you know, I wanted to tell you, Asher, I was just, um, as I'm updating Hidden Ohio, I was just, you know, tweaking some of the things on the map. And I'm actually adding power plants, uh, just a little symbol on the on the Hidden Ohio map, uh, just because I, I want to have as many layers and as many things on there so you can see, you know, does, you know, am I seeing this because that's there? You know, what's What's the correlation? Yeah. Um, and um, there are two power plants just north of Point Pleasant. They're on the Ohio side. Uh, they're two of the most polluting coal plants uh, in the country. And um, now one of them wasn't there when Mothman was first sighted, mm-hmm. but, but the other one was, and it's got the highest chimney of any coal plant in the country. And they've had to retrofit it to scrub out all of the toxins. And they did that in like 2010. But then they built this other plant in 1974. And it had an 
it had such a noxious cloud that hung over the coal plant that they had the town of Cheshire uh, on the Ohio River um, in Ohio abandoned. They, the coal company paid like $20 million to move like 90% of the residents out of this town. And um, so I'm just thinking, you know, there's, you know, there's always that story like, oh, well, Mothman appeared because, you know, the bridge was going to collapse and he was a harbinger of doom. Okay. Yeah. 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 Probably not, but um, sure. you know, that's an interesting correlation. They put that in the movie, so everyone likes to think of that. But you know, here here we are with this noxious coal plant, right? Probably five miles up the river, uh, producing these uh, noxious fumes. Uh, you had the old TNT plant where it was first yeah. seen that had probably um, contaminated the soil. It still um, does, so, yeah. <laughs> and so you know, you need to become an expert of of your, the local area in, yeah. in every way possible. The uh, the ecology, you know, what's going on? What kind of ecological region is it? And um, so, you know, if you're into this stuff and you have some favorites, just, you know, really delve into into that local scene, not just the story of the cryptid or the ghost or whatever, but, you know, the surround, the, the history, history yeah. <laughs> the migrants, you know, the, the immigrants that came there and what did they bring with them? What kind of baggage and folklore and the Native Americans, of course, are, are, are just a gold a mine ma- of information. <laughs> amazing. Exactly. Yeah, no, you're you're right. Actually, what's really funny is that we um, were out filming um, and, and, you know, over there in, in Point Pleasant for the documentary. And um, we were actually out by that power plant because we were talking about it. We were like, well, what is oh, that? Let's yeah. go over there. And uh, we were out filming by while we were over there huge fucking bird is flying in and out of the plume mm. coming out of it and i'm like well kind of joking and i'm like you know that could be mothman and everybody's like <laughs> i mean it could be and then we were all kind of talking about it we're like well i mean it is pretty big what is that well they got turkey vultures it was probably that honestly yeah, right. um but you know it's 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 a part of the b-roll for the documentary so <laughs> It flies into the cloud as a sandhill crane. It comes out as that's, Mothman. That's Mothman. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's the yeah, theory. Um, gets transformed for, by this noxious gas right. or something. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Superhero powers or whatever. Yeah. But no, you're right. I mean, and that's that's why that's why I have Anne, which you, you met Anne at, at CryptidCon as well. Uh-huh. Along with yep. me. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm the person that specializes in the creature, in the people that see these things and experience these things. And she specializes in the history of the areas that it's happening mm-hmm. in. Um, because you very much need to do that. Um, but, you know, if you live in one of these, you know, we talk about, joked about Ohio being a flyover state. It's not. But if you do live in somewhere that's considered that, or maybe you think that weird things don't happen in your area a lot, start digging into it. You know, people that want to get into the stuff, whether you just want to do it as a hobby or whether maybe you want to have a podcast one day, look in your mm-hmm. own backyard. We can't express that enough. Um, because you'd be surprised once you start talking. And, and that's what I found looking at these states that kind of on, on the map in black that really don't seem to have a lot going on. Um, you know, when you start talking to people that live there and work there and, you know, every day, then you start finding, well, okay, there is a little, there is more out there than we know, you know, and um, it's, it's yeah. very interesting. So, And if I, if I could probably pick any little town. If I did enough research, I could probably find somebody, Something. some yeah. story, and, and and plop it on the map. But right. um, my, you know, I I spent ten years, and I'm That's like, okay. this, enough is enough. I need to, you know, get. <laughs> I feel like I had enough on the map to to get it out there. And um, hey, if you have 
a story that uh, you think is on the map, message me, you know, go to uh, mapandblack.com and, and send me a message or I'm on Instagram, mapandblack, send me a message, uh, email me, celticmaps at gmail.com. Uh, I'd love to get your story and, and see if it um, you know, has a place on the map. That was going to be my next question. Do people send you stories a lot? Not a lot. Okay. That's Not okay. a lot, you know, and yeah. And, um, you know, they usually just say, oh, we, you know, you love your map and we used it to go to this spot and sure. we saw this, but they don't really like, uh, once in a while, like when I talk to people, like when I have a booth, they'll say, um, like with Map in Black, I was at um, Scarefest in Lexington mm-hmm. and there was a, a guy uh, at a booth across from me from Kansas. And he's like, oh, you need to have, I forget what it was. It was some old like hall, but kind of a mansion, like an old house. Sure. And he's like, that's one of the you know most well-known. And I looked it up and like, yeah, you know, I totally didn't have that on the map. And um, it, it was, there's not a lot of room for for it, but I'm like, oh, you know, I'll squeeze it on the next edition. I, it, it was, it seemed worthy. And as, again, I wanted to have enough of a local presence. Like I just didn't find like one story on the internet. Like I wanted to uh, find multiple sources, make sure that it was something that, um, again, had enough of a kind of a, just get enough uh, local history and, and people agree that the yeah, other spot is there's something going on. Okay. And do you think that, um, you know, because you were mentioning the demographic of this, of course, and, and of course, people have asked, they want a map for their state. Are you ever going to expand the maps? <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. You don't have to say anything else. You don't have to promise a date or the next reveal. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think people people definitely want it. Um, I mean, I think that that's the next step, you know, is... The demand. I think my job will never be done. Sure. Um, there's 50 states. I don't know if I'll get to all 50 or maybe I'll group some of the smaller states. But um, I was talking to Andrew Smith and, uh, you know, you know, Andrew, because he is the um, curator of the Flatwoods Monster Museum. Yep. Mm-hmm. As well as uh, the Braxton County Convention and Visitors Bureau. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, he really wants a West Virginia map. So, um and gosh, I mean, how how weird is West Virginia? I mean, let so, me tell you, people that don't live in West Virginia will buy that map. I know. <laughs> well, they better because there's only a million people in West Virginia. Right. So, um, but I mean, of all the states that surround West Virginia, uh, there are tens of millions of people that come to that state, love that state, love the terrain, love the history, love the cryptids. Um, so uh, there, I don't. I, I think there will be no uh, shortage of interest for a map like that for West Virginia. Yeah, no, I I, I definitely agree with you. I'm excited um, about more maps, of course, and uh, you guys should be if you don't have the maps already. Again, um, you, there's a bunch of places you can find them. Hopefully, your local bookstore. Um, if not there, you can get them online. I will share the links down below to how you can contact Jeff and and get your own map in black or or the Hidden Ohio map. Um, but, uh, yeah, Pat, was there it anything? Have to, oh, go ahead. It doesn't have to be an odd, it doesn't have to be a bookstore. I've got places like these oddity shops. Oh yeah. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. The occult shops the new age shops. Um, Pat, there was a place, I can't remember the name up in Chicago, but I found them last summer when I was up there and, um, I just called them. I said, Hey, can I show you this map? And they're like, come on over. It's right in the city up on the, one of the Northern neighborhoods. And it's kind of an occult shop. A uh, great um, selection of various 
things uh, in in the occult realm and and um, you know new age and witchcraft and stuff. So yeah, they took twenty maps and um, you know I drove nice. over there because I just wanted to you know see the neighborhood and see the store and. So I love these little shops. You know, they're independently owned. These are the places I, I want to help uh, uh, just promote and, and share my product with. Sure. Well, okay. I mean, if you guys have a local shop, you can take over this map fits. Um, go in there and tell them that you heard about this map on on Wednesdays We Talk Weird and uh, <laughs> give them the information and I'm, I'm sure they'll know what to do with it or let us know and, and, and we'll pass it along to Jeff and let him do his thing. Um, so that's... Uh, yeah. Pat, did you have anything else to add to the conversation here, Pat? No, you know, I liked Jeff's comment about um, language and how, you know, uh, some of these paranormal uh, experiences could be misidentified just because we don't have the proper language. Because it's interesting that language kind of uh, acts as a conceptual map for things the same way that, you know, what he does is, is you know, label geographical stuff on a map and and language kind of does the same thing for how we perceive things sure and we don't we just don't have the process to uh hammer these things we down don't just, yeah we can't describe it so i was t- talking to somebody at, at cryptid con and i said um you know imagine if you're talking to somebody who's colorblind and you're trying to tell them about purples and reds and blues and greens they're gonna have no idea what you're talking about and I just think we have, we are missing, maybe some of us have the senses to, to experience these things. I don't think I do. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think that's just, I, th- I think there's just, there's a disconnect. Interesting that you bring that have. up. I, I, I actually am colorblind. And, are you really? Uh, yeah. And about two years that. ago for my birthday, um, my wife and my mother-in-law got me these special prescription glasses that allow me to see in color. Wow. And I put them on for the first time and it blew my fucking mind. And I don't, wow. I don't wear them a lot. And they're always like, why don't you wear, we spent a lot of money on those <laughs> and I appreciate the shit of it, but you, you cannot imagine how disorientating it is wow. to have, not, yeah. to go from, this is how I see things. This is fine. This is normal. And, you know, my wife realized pretty early on that I didn't know how to dress myself. And it's like, she loves to fuck with me for being colorblind. Um, she thinks that I see in black and white and I don't, Oh yeah, it's, it's like, I don't see yellows. I don't see greens, certain it's, colors. Yeah. Yeah. It's stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, it is. I mean, it's, it, you talk about perception, creating reality. Um, when I, when I put those glasses on, it's like, I'm in an overly saturated fucking acid trip. It's nightmare. too much. Too much. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, I don't want to walk around like this. Cause then oh. when you take them off then it's like coming down and you're like, Oh, this is kind of drab. And I don't like that either. So I just don't wear them. It's no, that's, I, a, that's a really great example then to explain yeah. it. Um, when you do get a look into that world, how, again, how disorienting it can be. Um, so wait, so the important question here is that is, is my hair red? Do you still see it as red? It, <laughs> it's like orange. No, it's red. No, but it's like, yeah, but it's like bright red. Have you ever looked at it with the glasses on and the glasses off? <laughs> no, I've never been. No. <laughs> Will you do that for me? Around my glass. Oh. Let me know what it's like. <laughs> yeah. I'll bust them out. I should honestly wear them more because they did spend them. Yeah, it was it was a big deal that they got. It was a very nice present. I should honestly start trying to make use of them more. I had no idea. You're my best friend. I had no idea you're colorblind. Wow, I'm an asshole. <laughs> no, well, how often does it? You don't, you don't question why I'm not really 
dressed normal. Well, every I have jeans and a t-shirt whenever I see you. So it's like that's true. That's I could throw easy. that together relatively well, but try to look at me like dress myself or put a suit on or try to match socks and a fucking tie or something. And yeah, it's a disaster. I'm gonna ask everybody I meet now. The first question is gonna be, are you colorblind? Just because <laughs> I'm so shocked I didn't know. <laughs> well anyway. <laughs> No, that was that was a great point. Um, I yes, I agree with that. I think that we just don't have the uh, the the technology, I guess, if that's what you want to call it, the the understanding, the science, whatever you want to call yeah. it, um, yeah. to to explain these things, um, to really get it even a good idea. I say it all the time. I think we're all missing the mark. Um, I don't think anybody's got it right yet, and uh, hopefully, uh, if anybody's going to do it and figure out what it is, it's going to be me. So. <laughs> keep on it i have faith in you <laughs> everybody does there's so much pressure now um but uh anyway thank you so so much for coming on this has been wonderful um thanks for having me it's yeah it's it, i enjoy your show so much to oh. be on here i'm just tickled oh <laughs> no thanks for coming um this is episode uh 99 so we will be back Ooh. next week with episode 100 the, does that we're not turning 100 that's on our birthday right that's just the episode count is that how that works you gotta tell me when you started the show i don't know i don't sometime in march <laughs> well, yeah. it's coming up yeah it's almost our two-year birthday oh my god we are two-year birthday would be show 104 so i mean it was technically because you <laughs> oh, never really missed a week right yeah so come back one week one yeah so we'll figure it out anyway next week's episode 100 that's all i know um hopefully you guys are here for that i really enjoyed having the password on the last episode, I felt like it was great interaction. Jeff, what password should people give us to let us know that they listen to this whole episode? You get to choose. Colorblind. Colorblind. Perfect. That's what it is. <laughs> if you guys listen to it up until this point, let me know um, by tweeting or messaging or whatever by saying colorblind. But uh, until then, we'll see you guys back here next Wednesday.